Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are kind of getting back to our usual because nothing says we're back to normal like Gail is going on vacation. And we're going to talk about vacation reads and also a little bit about what we're looking forward to reading that is new in August. So we want to pivot back into doing those regular shows that we we were accustomed to doing before we got into just, you know, like our random little jaunts in order to serve up some pandemic fare and keep ourselves sane. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so back to these regular shows. First up, Gail going on vacation. She's going to tell us all about her vacation reads and what we're looking forward to reading this month. So we'll see how far we get because Gail told me she has a number of books that she is planning on taking. She's going to be gone for two weeks, and um, which you probably won't feel too much in the show. Maybe there'll be, you probably won't miss any, but yeah. So you're going to tell us about that. And then we want to check in on what we've been reading. I'm going to start off the show with a question for Gail because a couple of weeks ago when we were talking and she was having a very difficult time finding anything to read and you were kind of leaning towards reading that thriller about the flight. Mm. Did you Mm -hmm. go down that path? I just started it. Oh, okay. Just started it. Like I'm like 10 pages in. Okay. Yeah. But I guess you're intrigued by it. So that's good. I'm intrigued by it. Well, it sounds like you're intrigued just to hear what it's right. like. Right. Yeah. Just to see what you, what you said. Yeah. I've been kind of playing yeah. around with it. I had said I might check out the audio um, last time we spoke about it, but yeah, I think I want to know after I'll wait until I hear what you say, if, if it's worth okay. the investment or okay, if it's going to be another one of those books that by the end, well, I know what you'll probably say by the end. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm going to (laughs) say. We both know what I'm going to say. I guess I'm just not a thriller person. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We know what we both know. I'm going to say that, but, but you know that when I get in this mood, I have to indulge it. Right. So, um, it's what you do. Yeah. It's what I do. That's right. All right. So since we're on that, you've read the first 10 pages. You're not scared off so far. You're intrigued. Um, correct. Yes. I'm intrigued so far. So that is, will probably be my like bridge into vacation read. I finished a couple of books that I've already talked about in the show a couple times, so I won't spend a lot of time on them. I finished the Sweeney sisters and I finished the Howard Stern, Howard Stern comes again book. Okay. So your wrap up now summer. that you've read every single word worthwhile uh which one the howard stern well howard stern i'm guessing will probably you probably enjoyed his stories that he was telling right i did i mean they're they're actually interviews so most of the most most of your most of what you're reading is actually about other people it's not about him although he's a pretty self-absorbed guy who's clearly so he very introspective. To get him 
get himself. Yeah, he works himself in. I mean, he he each of the interviews starts with an introduction. The introduction is generally about why that interview meant a lot to him, which usually unearths a whole bunch of Howard Stern, Howard Stern backstory. So, um, what was your most interesting thing that you feel like you learned about him and did it change your view? Yeah. Did it change your view of him at all? Well, I think the thing that I found most interesting about him was that he really regrets the way he acted early in his career. So like the shock jock years when he was really kind of a can I say asshole on the show? Sure. He's kind of an asshole. And he's, you know, he was extremely provocative. He was like, you know, would have these very famous guests and people that he really genuinely wanted to get to know come into the studio. And then he just and he would kind of, them. Well, it wasn't that he would attack them. He would kind of waste the interview on oh, just trying about- to produce... Yeah. Provocative sex right. stuff. Like mm-hmm. he would talk about, or he would get like strippers to come in. Like he, you know how he is. That's, right. that's Howard Stern. That's why I don't listen to Howard Stern. Like, I, cause that's for so many years, that's what he was like is he would just, you know, he was, I guess you could kind of take him in small doses, but I personally didn't find that a way I wanted to spend my time. But then over the years, he kind of got more secure with himself. He got more secure with his, you know, his position with the ratings. Like he has this you know, amazingly lucrative contract from Sirius XM, which allowed him to stop worrying so much about the day-to-day ratings of a radio show because the economics were just different. And so he, instead of constantly worrying that he was going to get replaced or the show would get canceled and that he needed to be number one in the time slot, he had more flexibility and then he could kind of ease, relax into these interviews and actually ask people much more probing and interesting questions about the guest. So and that just might have a- to do more with his security, I would think, in himself. Because, I mean, it's a little modest. I mean, he basically put Sirius XM on the map. When he went yes. over to Sirius XM, I think they were just starting out. And basically the reason why anyone joined in the first place was because it was going to have the Howard Stern show. Yeah. And he has some stat about like the percentage of listeners, serious listeners who listen to Howard regularly. And it's like well over 50%. Like it's right. clear I think that, that he's he gave them their boost. For a huge, yes. And I think he also just has matured as a person. I mean, he's, he's, um, how old is he? I forgot what he said in his sixties now or almost 60. Like he's, you know, he's, he's at an age where he's just like more comfortable in his own skin and he's got this great marriage. And, um, so it was interesting to me to see how much he regrets about, like, he used to be a real jerk to Robin Williams, or he didn't get Robin Williams on the show because he was, you know, such a difficult interviewer. And he kind of always regretted it. I can't remember whether, whether he had actually had a bad interview with him or never got him. Right. No, no, no. I'm, I'm actually talking about Robin Williams. Like, the Oh, actor. Robin Williams on the show as opposed to his yeah. co-host. <laughs> yeah, Robin is his co-host and he is extremely uh, complimentary of, dependent on, and, you know, very positive about Robin. Like, she, and, her, and she appears throughout the interviews because the interviews are transcripts. So, you know, there's a lot of Robin things. But like, he, would, he was saying how he really wished he'd gotten Robin Williams on and... Like he was going to reach out to him and apologize for how he had treated him and try to get him back on the show. And then Robin Williams died like a week later. So there's a lot of stories like that, like where he really looks back on the earlier years and regrets them. But he, 
has kind of changed his style. And so certainly some of these later interviews, I, th- I thought were, were pretty interesting, like um, people like David Letterman or Stephen Colbert or Gwyneth Paltrow, somebody that, you know, I think most people are kind of predisposed basically to hate. You know, he, he manages to find um, compelling things that they said and talked about. Amy Poehler, like a lot of other comedians, Jerry Seinfeld, stuff like that, Chris Rock, Tracy Morgan. So I, I don't know. I found them all pretty good. The, the parts I didn't like were the, 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 he intersperses a lot of these with transcripts of early interviews with Donald Trump. And then even some of the more recent interviews with Donald Trump. And those are like, those are not my favorite part. And he's conflicted about Donald Trump and he's a Hillary. He was a Hillary supporter. He voted for Hillary and, you know, but he's kind of had this long standing relationship with Howard Trump. I mean, with um, Donald Trump that went back many, many years to when Trump was on The Apprentice. And so he sort of tries to put those interviews in a little bit of context. But anyway, it was, I thought it was a good read. I don't know if I'm going to start listening to Howard now, but I just, it was, uh, it, it, it was certainly worthwhile. And to put it in context for listeners, I don't know if you guys remember, we probably talked about this a year ago. I remember when you got this book because at the time I think I was going to physical therapy and he works out at the, like where I was going for physical therapy is this very swank gym on the Upper West Side. And Mm. I guess it was his gym. So I would see him there. Oh, wow. And so I remember when you got this book, because I think we talked about this briefly, and that would probably be, I don't know, almost a year and a half ago now. Yeah, I bought it a while ago. It just kind of sat on my shelf for a while. But it was, like I said, I read it when I blow dry my hair. Like I usually have a book that I just leave in the bathroom that I read like, you know, five pages of a day. And it was the perfect book for that because I could usually get through like one interview right? while I was drying my hair. So, you know, it's been my summer book. And now it's done, but I recommend it. And then the other okay, one so I read the Sweeney was the Sweeney Sisters. Sisters. Yeah. So I didn't change my opinion on it since the last time we talked. It's, this is the book about these three sisters whose very famous novelist father dies. It's fiction. And, um, in the reading of the will, it comes out that there was actually a fourth sister who was the product of an affair he had with a neighbor. And so the fourth sister surfaces and it's all about this summer where they're kind of trying to settle their father's estate. They're dealing with the grief over his death and then the integration of this fourth sister into the family. So that's why I just wrote my review of it. Like the positives are, I thought she did it. It felt very realistic. She did a nice job of these kind of flawed people, um, you know, facing a situation that I think with the popularity of like 23andMe and Ancestry.com is becoming more common where people sort of find out through surprise that their parents are not necessarily who they thought they were, their biological parents. And so, I mean, I think she did a nice job with kind of um, integrating or, or exploring how that would happen in a family. On the downside, it is definitely like a white people, rich people problem book. And it was just kind of boring. Like I, I had just enough tension in there and interest to keep me going to finish it. But it, it was sort of, um, it just didn't have enough drama to it. It didn't have enough tension or surprise or suspense, or I just didn't feel that invested. Right. So 
that's like a, this is a very solid three star read for me. Ooh. It gives me me shivers. (laughs) Three star read. It's like the worst thing. I just was on Goodreads, and there are a lot of very positive reviews of this book. Lots of fives and fours, and I just was so curious, like what they liked about it. And people felt like it was they enjoyed the relationship with the sisters. They thought it was very realistic. They liked, I don't know, they liked the detail. Um, So uh, a lot of people have liked it. So I may be a bit in the minority on this one, but it, for me, it just didn't, wasn't enough to hold me. It sounds a little bit boring. I mean, I think that was one that I had flagged that I said, oh, this looks really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Three stars. (laughs) Um, I finished Mexican Gothic, which I probably did not start really getting into this book. It was one of those books that, you know, the beginning was okay and... I liked it. It's about this woman who goes to this basically haunted house in this small, what used to be mining town and the house is falling apart. And the family of course is ancient and weird and just very weird things have been going on there. And her cousin has married into this family. So she is called there when she gets this, her father gets this really strange letter from her cousin that says that she's being poisoned and like there's weird stuff going on in the house. So I really like the Gothic feel and the haunted house. It had that, you're just getting into just an old school vibe with the house being a character, a character in its own right. And just being very curious about what particular evil they're confronting or if the sister, I mean, the cousin has gone a little bit crazy and, and whether it's valid. I think in the beginning, I was just feeling there was there was a, a few threads, I think, that they were trying to pick up on. There's one where uh, the patriarch of the house is very much a believer in in superior genes and who has superior genes. And the story is me- Mexican Gothic and she is Mexican and they are an Anglo family who has come over from England when they came over, I guess, a couple of hundred years ago to Mexico. And the patriarch then was just so into his own culture that they brought soil from England to make it more like home. So there's these interesting, like the main character is an anthropologist and there's just these kind of these interesting segues into what shapes people and what shapes culture that they don't really get that far into. And it's also set in the fifties, which yes, they're at a haunted house. And I guess the novel starts at a, at a party in Mexico. And I just wasn't quite sure if I bought into the fifties feel of it, but then, then as I got past the halfway point and I guess the story started to reveal itself a little bit more, I thought it was it was very interesting. I think the larger themes that that this haunted house is pointed to, like larger things that it says about our society and patriarchy and the role of women. So it got good at the end. Ooh, that's good. Uh, also, what else did I read? I think I mentioned that I had fin- finished Very Nice by Mar- Marcy Dermansky. And it was a solid you know, a wealthy family in Greenwich, uh, a young girl, or she's a college student. I think she's 19. She has an affair with her Indian college professor, her English professor. And she 
he ends up coming home with him or he ends up going home with her for the summer after goes looking for his dog because he had to run off to a funeral and he left his dog in her care and she brings the dog home where her mother funnily enough has also has just lost her own dog so she starts calling this new dog which is the same breed the name of her old dog and they all get intertwined like the mother's kind of interested in the english teacher but of course so is her daughter and you know her husband has had a midlife crisis and is has gone off to live with a I think she's an airline pilot and so just their bad behavior and shenanigans over the summer. So it was like one of those just solid, I guess, you know, rich people behaving badly reads. And I really like Marcy Dermansky. Um, I do think, like I said, Bad Marie, Bad Marie is my favorite of hers. And then, and then the red car, but you know, I I think I have one book to read for her before I would be a completist. There's supposed to be this book about these blonde twins that I might I might oh, have to read. I read that book. Did it's you? Called twins. Yes, it's called or, Twins. I did read that book years ago. I guess that's, <laughs> that's the only Marcy Dermansky <laughs> I've read. Um, well, yeah, you haven't I, read I, anything since. I don't know. No, I don't think I have. Um I'm going to look it up and see what I said about that book. I remember reading that. I have twins, of course. So I, I'm always intrigued by books about twins, especially twin girls. Um, that was a memorable book. Let's see if I can figure out uh, what I actually thought of that book. It's been many, 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 many years. In fact, I wonder if I was even blogging when I read it. It's possible I wasn't. Is it that old? I think so. Did you just say it's been 20 years? What? Yeah. No, no, many, many. Oh. I didn't say 20. It's like you have not been blogging for 20 years. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> Although I have been blogging for 14. Mm. Yeah. I, oh, I know I did read the, the red car. So I, it's, I have, I forgot that I've read something since then. No. Okay. So, so it was so published I in 2005. Oh, so I must've read it right before I started blogging. I started in 2006. Okay. And, um, yep. So I didn't review it, but I remember liking it. It's about these two, these twins and they're very, very different. I think they're identical, but they're really different. I would recommend reading it. Okay. And well, that's become good. a completist. Yeah. Uh, I think it's her first, I think it's her first book. Yep. All right. So I read well, that one and we talked about the vanishing half. So right now, I started saving Ruby King, which I was really looking forward to reading. So I'm reading that, but then I got distracted because I got um, Memorial Drive by Natasha Trethaway. I heard her mm -hmm. speak once and she was just so eloquent in what, what she spoke about. I think she was talking about the grammar of Black English and how there is a grammar to Black English and... I've always remembered her. And so she was the poet laureate when, when Obama was in office in 2012. She was also the poet laureate in Mississippi. And Memorial Drive is her memoir. And it is about how she became a poet, which kind of, well, not kind of, it was rooted in tragedy. Her, mo her mother was killed by her stepfather in Atlanta when she was 19. And she said, 
She says of that moment that she knew that she would become a poet and she knew that she wouldn't be a poet. So it's all about her upbringing. She's biracial and about her mom's relationship with her father, you know, her first husband back in, I think she was born in 1966 and they lived in Mississippi when they were both attending college there. And so her experiences is there and her mom's murder by her stepfather when she's 19 and just the effect that it had on her life. And it's such, she, she reminds me a lot about my childhood because I spent a lot of time on floors in the South, you know, like during the summers and during holidays, watching TV and being outside. So she, just the way she describes that world and her interaction with her relatives is just so familiar and just so beautifully put. So that's kind of interrupting saving, saving Ruby King, but they both seem like they are really good. But this book has been on my list when I found out that she was going to be writing it. So got it as soon as it came out. So that's what I'm reading right now. Um, I read a review of Memorial Drive, I think in Bookpage this month. That looked really good. Yeah. I yeah, I, I would recommend that. She narrated the audiobook. I kind of want to take a listen to a sample just to see what it's like because I was torn about do I do I buy the book? Do I get the audio? But I may I may take a listen to it. I think I still have a credit from from Libro FM. So I'll, if it's if it's if it's irresistible, then I'll just have both. Nice. All right. So let's get to what you are planning on taking on vacation. You have a two week trip. And is this going to be a road trip or are you risking the airlines or? I mean, it's a road trip. And, but it's once we're there, we're staying put. So I should have a fair amount of time to read. Um, I think I've set aside four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 books, uh, which would be a book a day, which as you know, for me, that's not possible. So, <laughs> all I right, like so why don't you give these. us your top five or six, what you think you are most likely oh. to read? Oh, well, first of all, just give us, just give us a list. Oh, just give I'll us give the, the list. list. I, and you know, I'm a mood reader. So what I wanted to do was just cover all the moods. So that okay. when I finish one, I would have an option for whatever mood was left. Okay. So let's the read your list. Is, and then maybe I'll yeah. ask you some, a few questions about some of them. And if there's something you think I should knock off, please. Okay. Like I'd, I'd welcome that. All right. Okay, so wait, first book, so are you going to be like cabin, beach, mountains, beach, set, the, set the scene? Beach. beach. Yeah. So house on the beach. Okay. So like no plans, like very little structure in the day. I mean, I have kids, so it's not like I could just sit and escape and read all day, but I, you know, I'll probably have. You're going to make a good college try time. of it. <laughs> yes. I will make a good college try of it. Um, I think I could get through maybe five of these, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess it depends on how how much I like them. Okay. The first book is One to Watch by Kate Stamen London, which uh, is new this summer. And it's like about the, like a bachelor-esque show and a plus size fashion influencer who goes on the show. It's supposed to be very light and an addictive quick beach read. This is like total in the beach read category. That's the first one. The second one is My Friend Anna. Did you read this book? I know you were, I feel like you talked about it or maybe wanted to read it. Mm-mm. I didn't even know what that's about. Rachel, and it's funny, I'm looking, I took a picture of these. I don't have the book in front of me. And 
the uh, library sticker is covering the author's last name. It's like Rachel Delo something Williams. Oh, yeah, that does sound and familiar. Yeah, this is the book about the, it's nonfiction. Oh, right. My friend Anna, yes. This is the one about that heiress, the fake heiress. Yes, (laughs) the fake heiress who befriends people and then uses them and gets them to pay for a bunch of money. And it turns out she's been defrauding people all over the city for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know. I I put that on my library list. It came in. I picked, I, I read the first like 10 pages, like in the car while I was waiting for my daughter or something. and. It was really good. So you know that I've been enjoying the memoir this summer. So I I have a prediction that I will probably end up reading that one. I um, think I, did, I had read the long article and I forget whether it was oh. in Vanity Fair or The New Yorker. And I felt like I did not want to read that book because it's just all about how I have very, it's all about how she just did not know that this woman was a fraud when she was just increasingly putting huge tabs on her bill. She's the, she got stuck for some $60,000 bill, which she put on her corporate credit card. It was just like, how, how does that even happen? It was also one of those things is just like, you have to be white for this to happen because there's no way that I could just turn up at some hotel and be like, yeah, um, there's going to be a cashier's check coming any day now. So just let me stay here for six months. Like I get yeah. a credit card ID. <laughs> right, it's one right. of those things that only happens with right. white people. I can't, I mean, even Indian people or I can't. Yeah. You just have to be. <laughs> yeah. She's of course German, right? She's like Scandinavian. and Yes. Yeah. Aryan. Yeah. Um, okay. Next book is His Only Wife by Peace Adzo Medi. I don't know how to pronounce that name. This is a new book coming out from Algonquin and it's called A Crazy Rich Agents for West Africa. Oh, that it sounds is... good. <laughs> Busy debut turns on a family drama caused by polygamy in Ghana. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's what Publishers Weekly says. She is marries somebody in Ghana. I think it's like you said, it's a polygamist situation. So she's not the first. She wife, marries the man in absentia. Right. Hmm. And then she still manages to sort of make her way and be independent. I don't know. I, it just sounds good. Um, I think I actually requested this one. Uh, because I think I must have heard about it on a, I have some preview or something and it sounded really good. Mm. Um, okay. The flat share by Beth O'Leary. That's another beach read. That's for my book club, my in real life book club. And it's a, it's like a romantic romance book about two people who are sharing a flat, but they work opposite shifts. So he works the night shift and she works the day shift oh. or vice versa. And do they like leave each other notes? Yes. And then they sort of like get to know each other through these notes and from what they see about each other in, you know, without in absentia, without seeing each other. And then they fall in love. So that one, it should be light. Then um, Happy and You Know It, which is, I think, a rich women. There's like Upper West Side moms or Upper East Side moms who 
sort of bring this music teacher for kids into their little community, but then things are not as they seem. So it sounds like there's something like sinister going on. Um, I swapped for that one. Then The Last Flight, which we've already talked about by Julie Clark. And then, um, oh, a nonfiction book called Secondhand by Adam. And here's another problem where the library has covered the last name <laughs> sticker. This looks like Minton or something. Adam Minter? But something like that. Is it? Did you see that somewhere? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Adam Minter. And this is a book about like the secondhand Travels clothing economy. In the new global garage sale. Yeah. Right. So it's like, what happens when you donate clothes? Like, where do they go? What happens to all the like cast off clothes? <laughs> they from go to some America landfill somewhere else. I think that first, some there's a big secondhand market. I think for them in Africa. I've been reading about this lately. You know, like being more sustainable yeah. in practices with my wardrobe and just stuff like that. Yeah. Because just all of this stuff just sits there and. And it's not, you know, you make yourself feel better by giving it to secondhand stores or whatever, but it's usually not in any kind of usable condition. So sometimes people do things with it. Like you, um, I think a lot of times countries in that have robust secondhand markets use the fabrics, they repurpose the fabrics and they make other clothes, but a lots of them turn up, I think, in landfills. And yeah. there was there was an article that I was reading. I know about this. There was an article I was reading about how the coronavirus has affected the fact that they ha- that some markets have not been able to get these secondhand clothes anymore. So they've been innovating and and being more creative about what, what they do have. So, oh, that's interesting. Well, I've been interested in this topic too. So that came in from the library and. Uh, maybe, you know, that may be something I don't read. Maybe I read that like in tandem with other stuff. Right. So if I, you know, if I'm in the mood for it. Okay. So now I'm moving on to my second pile. Uh, Women Talking by Miriam Tews, which we, you and I have talked about this book. Right. We did. Not a beach read, <laughs> but I really want I've been wanting to get to this for a long time. This is the book about the uh religious community where the women are being raped at night by the men and how the women finally decide that because they've been drugged, but they start to figure out what's going on. And the question is, what do they do with that information? And do they confront the men and how do they do it? I think it takes place in South America. Is that right? It might be. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember. No, isn't, but wasn't it a Mennonite community or Amish or... But I mean, not that that doesn't mean side of the U.S. Okay, right. It was. It is somewhere else. Why do I feel like it's Brazil? I think that sounds right. Or something. I think it is. Yeah. Um, Next book is one that was recommended highly by Sarah from Sarah's Bookshelves called Out East by John Glynn, which is a memoir about a guy's uh, who goes out to the Hamptons for summer, and it's about him coming out of the closet. I think. It's about, I guess, his sort of coming to terms with his sexual identity and then telling his friends and the world about who he is. Um, Then I'm bringing the new Catherine Center book, What You Wish For, which will probably be an easy and fun beach read if I get to that one. Then uh, Kent Haroof's Plain Song. I've been really, really wanting to read this for a while. I really liked the last one I read by him and Our Souls at Night. And I 
everyone really highly recommends this book. So I threw that one in the pile. Uh, The Second Home by Christina Clancy, which is, I think, another like rich people behaving badly book about a vacation home where like the kids come back as adults and it goes back and forth between their early, you know, their childhood and then their, them being adults. Um, I'm bringing the Jessica Simpson memoir open book, which I've actually started on audio and I liked. So, and I, everyone says this is amazing. So yeah, I, I think threw that on the pile. people it's, if they're listening to the audio and people everyone's like the there for, yeah, because I guess it's like she's talking to you and they're there for the John Mayer dirt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so maybe I'll do that on, I do have that audio on my phone. So maybe like, you know, if I'm going for walks on the beach or something, that might be a good one. And then the final book on the pile, if you'll forgive me and still talk to me afterwards, is Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I promised Nate I would bring it. So that is, that's my pile. Other than Harry Potter, is there anything in there that you strongly recommend I remove? Um, no, well, probably the My Friend Anna book. <laughs> mm, okay. I don't know about a 250 page book where someone, well, I don't know. I guess she wasn't trying to con me or whatever, but there's just no way I would be putting that amount of money on a credit card for a rich friend. So I just feel like I would have very little patience for that. Uh, I don't know, but everything else seems like beach appropriate except for women talking. (laughs) And I think that book is set in Manitoba in Canada, even though I think the real story took place in Brazil. Interesting. uh, No, in Bolivia. Okay. Well, we'll see if I get to that one. We'll see how many of these I actually get to. I'll report back when I come back. That one might be too much of a a dichotomy of just lounging around on the beach, reading about women being violated in the night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see that. So it might not happen. Might not come up that, I don't know, that mood might not pop. (laughs) It is pretty short. I will say that. So maybe I will. That's um, always appealing though, too, sometimes. Yes. That sense of accomplishment. Well, if you've read five books and you want to make it six, then right, go for it. Uh, so okay. I'm so in the middle of a book purge for once. Oh. And I have bags of books that I had put together that I had put together and wanted to start like getting rid of. But then the coronavirus happened and... There was, you know, I mean, immediately no one is taking in anything. Everyone is restricted. So I have these bags of books in my closet that I was trying to hang on to, trying to figure out if I want to start like a little free library or lending room in my building. But this doesn't seem to be the climate for that. So the ARCs I am most likely going to recycle and the books, I don't know what I'll do. Like maybe I'll put them on the stoop and see if, see if there are any takers. But before I do any of that, I have promised to photograph them and send them to Gail so that she can pick up some things that maybe she will want. I don't, I mean, I don't know because sometimes we get the same books and some of these books, you know, we tend to hold on to books for quite some time. So I don't think 
I have a few things that are within the last few years, but I don't think there's anything like new. That's all right. I still want to look. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm short on books. Str- spoken like a true book fiend. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. I, don't I always care. want to look. Let's very briefly mention a few books that we're excited about for August. Um, I already mentioned one when I mentioned Memorial Drive because it just came out, I think, or maybe it just came out at the end of July. But so that was one that I have. What do you have? Uh, let's see. There's a lot of books. All of mine are coming out on the same day, too. All of them are August 4th. So they already came out. Um, okay. The first one is The Weekend by Charlotte Wood, which is about three 70 something friends who been friends for a very long time. And then there was a fourth who dies and then they go to that one's vacation house somewhere. And it's, I guess, examines their friendship and secrets and lies and, you know, the frustrations that have been bubbling over the years come to the surface. Yeah. I think I, I saw that. I glanced at that. Mm -hmm. Um, I limited myself to six, so it wasn't one that made my final cut, but it, it, I did give it the eye. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. What else? All right. So I have to look this up and it's out August 4th. August 4th must be a big day in books. I think it might be the final demarcation to get books out for summer before the fall stuff starts. It came out on August 4th. It's a book called Luster by Raven Leilani. It's on so many most, um, most antiques anticipated books of the summer lists. So it's kind of been everywhere and I've been waiting for it to come out. It is about um, a woman, I believe she was living in Brooklyn. It says she's stumbling her way through her 20s, living in like a terrible, terrible apartment in in Brooklyn and just, I don't know, being in your 20s, like making questionable decisions around your romantic relationships and in a, a job that is not suitable for her, but she becomes involved with, I believe he's an architect that she becomes involved with and he is in an open marriage. So they begin a relationship. And of course, because their relation, his relationship is open, she gets to know his wife and his daughter. And it's just all about what happens when her allegiances shift, you know, like when their relationship changes and she finds that she is um, just more in touch with his wife and his daughter. And I believe she's black and he might be in a mixed race marriage. So I think the child that they have, she's kind of like the role model for that child. So it seems like there's lots of interesting, lots of interesting stuff going on there. Okay. That sounds good. Oh, he's adopted a daughter. So I don't think his wife is black, but he's adopted a a child. And uh, it looks like she might be the only role model that the child has. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I pre-ordered this this back maybe a month ago when when, um, there was this big, big push to make an effect on the New York Times bestseller list to see if we could get it trending to have authors of color. And so this is the one of the books that I bought that supported the Lit Bar, which is a Black-owned bookstore in the Bronx. So Hmm, okay. So it should be coming any minute. I'm excited. 
Okay, so my next book is called With or Without You, and it is the newest book by Caroline Levitt, hmm. which um, is due out, came out same day, August 4th. And I know you and I have read a lot of her books and have met her. She's a lovely person. Um, this book is about a couple and he's a musician and is like not doing that well. And she ends up, um, I think having like, it's either like an adverse reaction to some medicine or something. And she ends up in a coma and she wakes up from the coma. And all of a sudden she has all of this artistic ability that she didn't have before the coma or that was suppressed or something. And so she all of a sudden becomes very successful in a way that he isn't. And so it's kind of about this, this change in their relationship that happens after the coma. And I guess before maybe they, he was thinking of leaving her and then he sticks with her because she has this, you know, this medical emergency and just all about that relationship. And I've read great reviews of it so far. So, and I really like her writing, um, so that she hasn't one, had one for a while. Good. I think she was at. The point when I had was reading books by her, she was, I think she was maybe, she would have one every couple of years, but I feel like it's been a while since her last one, unless she's kind of fallen off my radar. Yeah. So I was excited to see that she had a new book out. My next book is, she normally writes uh, fiction that I read, like mysteries, Laura Lippman. I've read oh, yeah. a few of her books that I, I've really enjoyed. She usually writes about Baltimore and and she's written different things. Like sometimes she writes NAR, sometimes she writes more from the perspective of a housewife who is involved in the middle of a murder. Um, but this is a book of essays that she's written and she's calling it My Life as a Villainess. And she says it's about just different roles and different careers that she's had. She started out as a journalist. And of course, she's married to, gosh, what is his name? He's the creator of The Wire, David something. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't think of it right now. So, but she's written a collection of essays. They say they explore motherhood as an older mom, her life as a reader, her relationships with her parents and her friendships. So I've always liked her writing and when I have heard interviews with her, or I think I've met her, like I've spoken with her, she always has something interesting to say. So of course, I'm just very curious about her essay collection. I can't think of this guy's name. It's going to, it's going to bother me now. Anyway. All right. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> creator. He just put David creator Simon. of the wire. David Simon. David Simon. Right. Yeah. Yes. David Simon. I've read some Laura Lippmann. And she is, she's got a very interesting mind. Like she comes up, conjures up some very intense scenarios, at least in her mysteries. Yep. Um, okay. My next book is called, um, it's actually the book that Donna Hemans mentioned on the show last week, which I thought was great. It sounded really good. It's called Love After Love. Oh yeah. By Ingrid Perso. And, I put that in um, my in my queue for my next, too? yeah, for my next book buying, I try to buy five or six books a month these days. Oh, that's good. I'm not reading them, but I'm I'm being very supportive of, of bookstores that I want to stay around. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I loved the description that she 
what I love how the description came out on the show. And then I looked it up when I was doing the show notes and I just thought it sounded really good. Now, of course, I can't like put my finger on where it takes place at Trinidad. I think so. I think both the, the books that she mentioned uh, were, were uh, books set in the Caribbean. Yeah. Unconventional family in Trinidad mended by their individual and collective quests for love. Uh, I don't know. It just sounded great. So did. that one, I think, is also out on August 4th, just like all these other ones. Everything is coming out on August 4th or yeah. it's all it's already out now. So my next book, I'm, I think I'm going on a little mini nonfiction run because I had Memorial Drive. I just mentioned my life as a villainess. And my next book is called Inferno, a memoir of motherhood and madness. Oh, uh, I have seen reviews of this one. By Catherine Cho. Why did I think it was coming out in August? And now it says it came out January 20th. I don't, huh. that can't be right. Cause I'm seeing all kinds of reviews of it right now. Right. I think probably what happened, maybe it got shifted for whatever reason, or maybe I just saw wrong. I don't know. Yeah. It's coming out August 4th, just like everyone else. It says it's the, it's a memoir about a young mother who separated from her newborn son and husband when she's involuntarily committed to a psychiatric ward in New Jersey after a harrowing bout of postpartum psychosis. So it, it says that she loses all sense of time and place. She doesn't know what's real. And of course, it's unwaveringly honest and insightful because why write a memoir if you're not going to be? Uh, so it just talks about how she it, it she explores, like she is the daughter of Korean immigrants and, you know, she, traumatic things have happened in her past. So I think it's examining all of that and newly being a motherhood and, and navigating a fragile state. So it just, it seemed like, it seems like it'll be fascinating. Yeah, that looks really good. I'd, I'd be very intrigued to hear what you think of it. Okay. My next one is um, In the Valley, which are short stories from Ron Rash. And you and I are big Ron Rash fans but I have never read anything other than that one book that we read. So I was intrigued by this, just the description of the story sounded really good. And I guess in this book, he brings back a character from another Ron Rash book, not the risen, which is what you and I read, but, um, enough from a different book, a different novel that he read. Apparently he created this amazing villain, villainess, and she makes an appearance in this set of stories. I think it's stories in a novella. So, hmm. um, yeah. Now I wonder so, what she did in the other book that she has been resurrected and put in this book. I think her name is Serena or something. Oh, so, yeah. He he wrote a book called Serena. Oh, ah. so that's it. And I didn't realize yeah. that she was a bad one, a bad girl. It makes me want to read that a little bit more. Yep. So that is on my list. August 4th. <laughs> Well, it would not be allowed on your list. Oh, I've got one that's August 11th. Okay. <laughs> for something different. It's called The Shame. It's by Makina Goodman. Mm, I put is, that is, on is my list today. Bit. Oh, did you? So not it's this about Alma. Yeah. Oh, not this list. What? Yeah, I just, I, I saw it today and I added it to my Goodreads today because I thought it looked so good. But go ahead. Oh, okay. So this is about a woman who basically her family lives on a farm. They live close to the land. She's involved with raising 
their young children, you know, basically she cleans and she spends a lot of time reading. Her husband works at a nearby college. And then she just, one night she decides to, she just leaves, you know, they live out on a piece of land in Vermont and she just goes to New York. So (laughs) all about what is driving that. And it's called the shame. Yeah. I thought that looked really good. You know what this is confirming to me, Nicole, is that you and I have very similar taste in books, right? Because everything on your list, and we did not talk about our list beforehand, obviously. And, um, although we haven't overlapped yet, but, um, every book that so many of the books you've mentioned are ones that I was just drawn to anyway. So you and I, we just are drawn to very similar stuff. Right. Which we've known for a long time. It's funny. Well, that's what we say. And we go around each other's taste because if you think about all the books that came out and we narrowed down our list, so we're each interested Mm -hmm. in what the other is picking, but we narrowed the other way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay. So my next one is Emma Donahue's new book, The Pull of the Stars, which takes place in the pandemic of 1918. And it's about a midwife who is delivering babies in the hospital in the midst of the pandemic. And um, apparently there's a lot of parallels to what we're living through today. And it's, of course, because it's Emma Donahue, it's very well written. And I've heard it's really good. And somebody compared it to Room in that it was like people finding hope in very desperate situations. So um, I haven't read anything by Emma Donahue since Room. I I ha- have them in the house and I just, or maybe I tried to read Frog Music. I'm not sure if I finished it or I just didn't like it. But, yeah, um, Frog Music was that Western one. I couldn't get into it. I really read and loved, which I don't think anyone loved. It might've been too literary for people. It was really slow. It was set in Ireland and it was about this, nurse who goes to like this English nurse who goes to investigate this Irish town where it's said that the, that a little girl has not eaten, like she's been fasting for, I don't know how many months and she's falling ill and she goes to take care of her. And it's just all about the clash of cultures. You know, like this was probably back in the 1800s, I would say. And, you know, even now the Irish and the English have tense relationships, but back then it was even worse because Ireland was basically controlled by England. And so there's this English nurse who's been forced in this into this community who has a very different read of what's going on. So she's there to try to save the little girl and try to figure out what's happening. But, you know, they view her as a miracle, like what she's doing is a miracle, the fact that she's surviving. And uh, so she's trying to to create an intervention before this young girl dies. But it was, it was really good. No, it wasn't akin. But you talk about your next one or... Or was I just, I was piggybacking off you, wasn't I? (laughs) Oh yeah, you were. So I guess I'll try to find the name of it and we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Well, we don't, it's called The Wonder. Oh, that's right. I think I actually had that in the house. I may even still have it. Okay. So my last book on this list is called The Boys Club by Erica Katz. And it is about a young associate, young female associate starting out at a, big New York city law firm and the 
title is The Boys Club. So it's about what it's like to be a woman in this very male-dominated, testosterone-fueled, intense experience of being a young associate. So in my former life, I was a lawyer. And I know people who work at these big firms, and I've worked at some of these big firms myself. So I'm intrigued by this, and the reviews have been pretty positive. And I think it's actually been picked up by Netflix. So there was something that I was going to tell you that had been picked up by Netflix that we are, oh, the, no, and it's not Netflix, it's Hulu, and it's the Hillary Rodham, it's Rodham, the the new Curtis Sutton Phil. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. All right. So that was my last book of August books. So my last book is just total, it comes out on August 18th. So my last couple of books, I have been able to get away from books coming out on the fourth. It's called Nightshade by Annalena McAfee. And I feel like it's just one of these, I saw it and I'm kind of like, do you want another one of these books? But apparently I want another one of these books. It's about this woman She's an artist, so she is going to be, she's been given an assignment and she's going to be making these huge drawings of the seven, like the seven deadliest plants of the world. She's doing panels on them. Just in in preparation for this, she kind of just burns down her life. Like she gets out of her marriage, she starts, she takes up with a young lover or whatever. And it is just all about her giving herself to, to, I guess, this artistic undertaking and how that affects her life. I don't know. I just love reading about artists. I remember other books that you've enjoyed, like books set in like the 80s art scene in New York and things like that. So I'm not surprised yeah, that this I think made your this list. Is art scene in, in London. It mentions international galleries and museums. I just love that. I don't know. I also love colored pencils and things. I think somewhere along the line in my life, I took a fork where I became a reader and more of a writer. And I could have maybe easily have become an artist because I just find it fascinating. All right. Well, that is our August book preview. Or it's not really preview because these books are already out. But books that we are giving the eye <laughs> and uh, my vacation reads. So we will reconvene later in the month when um, I'm done and I can report back on what I read and you can tell me which of the five books you bought this week. This month. <laughs> this month. Oh, I thought you said every week. If I, I were buying five. five books a week. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. All right. Well, until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.